0: This week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and I'm here talking all things sport in Salford. It's Boxing Day. I'm joined by James Sweetnam. James,
1: full to the brim of Christmas cheer. How are you doing, James? Oh, I am full to the brim, Rob. I tell you what, yesterday was nothing short of spectacular. I've consumed, and I tell you this, every single year, Rob, pigs in blankets galore. I've mixed in the cranberry sauce. Tell me about your day, Rob. I assume you've had some pigs in blankets too.
0: Yes, wonderful, wonderful turkey, all the trimmings, family around the table, uh, presents exchanged, singing, dancing, pure love and uh, and friendship. And that's what Christmas is all about, James. Uh, I know everything... Sort of turns to Boxing Day and Boxing Day, like today, is all about the sport and excitement, but yesterday was a treat.
1: Yeah, it most certainly was, Rob. You mentioned you were dancing there. What's your favourite Christmas song?
0: My favourite Christmas tune, James, is uh, Slade's one. Uh, I think that's Noddy Holder at his very best. I think it's a, a classic tune that everybody hums and sings along to and gets you in the Christmas spirit, James. What about you?
1: Well, I'll give you a fact of the day first, Rob. My dad supported Slade did a while it? ago. He did, yeah. He's a bass player. My father, and he had a thoroughly good time um, taking to the stage shortly before Slade. Ah, oh. uh, did he?
0: Did he sneak onto the sneak onto the stage and bang out a uh, Merry Christmas with him? Uh, the yeah, but uh, high think, part of the concert.
1: Yeah, I think uh, there were points where you know security did have to intervene and tell him <laughs> that it's not Christmas right now. <laughs> it's September. What are you doing? <laughs> Come on, come on sir You can't belt out Christmas songs mid-March Yeah but I uh, was... Go on, go on. No, I was going to say that, um, Regarding Slade, they are really at the top of the game Around Christmas time And hopefully he will one day get his opportunity To do some sort of duet with them
0: mm. I'll tell you another favourite Slade song Is uh, Come On Feel The Noise And uh, i tell you why uh, At Salford we used to sing Come On Salford Reds Come on, for Red! Score more tries! Score more tries! That's how the song goes. So the song went, and it was uh, around about 2003 when we were in uh, the first division. We'd just been relegated, and that year we were unbelievable. We went through the whole season. I think we only lost once, and the way we played. We'd go up against these teams and we'd score sort of back to back to back. And when we'd sing that song, uh, we'd end up scoring on the next set until we got into Super League and the song then got cursed. Because every time we'd sing it, we'd drop the ball or they'd score. So at that point, we never sung it again, James.
1: Well, that's a tragic story, Rob. I mean, I suppose as the old adage goes... Uh, you can live as a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain and that seems to be what happened with that song. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, it was, it was tragic because is was a good song but unfortunately sporting gods didn't look down on us uh, and we were yeah, we were beating more than we won in that
1: uh, next Super League season. Yeah, that's a shame, Rob. I'll tell you what my favourite Christmas song is so I'm going to give you three, right? Go on. In reverse order mm-hmm. In third place, actually, I'm going to throw my dad's rendition of the White Christmas into the mix here, because he'd be annoyed if I didn't. (laughs) But in third place after that, we're going a Christmas classic. I played it in the Year 5 Christmas Assembly, and that is Little Donkey. Little Donkey. Little Donkey. It's a cracker. I mean, obviously, you've got this image of Mary and Joseph on their way to Bethlehem Mm. with the baby Jesus to give birth, and that's really what this special time of year is all about. But going into second place, right? It's Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson, a real cracker from an American Idol champion. Yep. And? And then in, in first place, now this won't make them as a surprise role because you might not have known about it previously, but I want you and the rest of the listeners, as soon as you finish this po- uh, this radio show, get off, go listen to this song. It's called Penguin... James Penguin by a man called Brad Paisley, and it's an absolute belter of a song. It's oh. about Santa's secret helper. He's a little spy, a dapper little guy called Penguin James Penguin, who helps Father Christmas with all his work at this special time of year. Mm,
0: I was thought you are going to say, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle on the way. Oh, what fun it is to watch your team win away. And that's a classic uh, football chant uh, slash carol. I'll tell you what, Robbie, you
1: are seriously on thorn today with these <laughs> Christmas throwbacks.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and that you say hey, it's it's a, a, a time of the year when everyone gets together, don't they? On Boxing Day, and we go to the match and, and we bring y- your family, and it's a real good moment. It's like it's been a big tradition on it in in British sport. The fixtures are all really you know intriguing games, and we're all really excited about
1: uh, you know that day. And it's kind of grown out it through the years. It most certainly has, Rob. I mean, if you're a football fan. Some look forward to Boxing Day, more so than they look forward to Christmas Day. Mm. You've got to get your uh, Christmas dinner out of the way, have your Christmas night, and then it's straight into your sleep and roll on those big games on Boxing Day. They really are a cracker. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you the most exciting Boxing Day
0: ever recorded in English football?
1: Rob, I'd be an absolute fool to turn you down. Mm.
0: 1963, Boxing Day. There were 66 goals in 10 matches in the first division, which is a tremendous amount of goals. I think a lot of defenders must have had a heavy Christmas Day uh, to concede that many goals.
1: Yeah, they well and truly must have done. I mean, going out on the lash on Christmas Day is always a risk when you've got a fixture the next day. And I believe over the years, certain players have fallen foul to that. Rob, if you were a professional rugby player, playing for Salford, you know, the boyhood dream. Do you think you still go wild on Christmas Day? Um, It would have been a real tough ask
0: because obviously athletes, players are athletes, aren't they? And they've got to be, you know, really on form. They've got to make sure that the bodies are tuned in and they can't really afford to overindulge with food and booze and, and things with the family. And then go and perform on, on Boxing Day, it is, I suppose it's very difficult, especially when you've got kids as well, because obviously the kids are living the dream, aren't they, when it, it comes to Christmas Day and you probably have to leave halfway through the uh, the, the morning at least to go and do a bit of training and, and do the, the pre-match and I bet it's a real difficult situation being a footballer
1: and doing that. Yeah, I completely agree, Rob. I mean, if I couldn't have my pigs in blankets, I think I'd wreak havoc. <laughs> I think the likes of Pep Guardiola would be extremely disappointed in that. I wonder if Pep. I wonder if when the
0: foreign managers and foreign players come, they realise how big uh, the Christmas period is for English football because the games come thick and fast, don't they? You play three days before Christmas, you play Boxing Day, you play a couple of days after Boxing Day, then you play New Year, and then you got the FA Cup. It's it's sort of game after game after game after game, and you know these players probably don't have the same kind of intensity when it comes to you know, football abroad, because some countries have
1: Christmas breaks where they they take a December off, don't they? Yeah, that's interesting, Rob. And talking Guardiola there, a Spaniard, I was in Spain the other week in Alicante, and I believe that the Spaniards' Christmas Day isn't the big hurrah for them. Oh yeah, I think they celebrate it, but the big one takes place on the 6th of January, and it's called Free Kings Day. And that's all about the Free Kings arriving to see Jesus in that manger and giving him those presents. That's the biggie they celebrate. So if you walk around Alicante and areas of Spain, they'll have massive statues of the Three Kings up and about. They'll have Three Kings cakes. It's a real big thing over there. Do they have Three Kings Boxing Day matches? I would like to think so. Now you've got <laughs> that question to me, Rob. I
0: suppose... I suppose in in uh, in Spanish football, with the the way the temperature is, I bet it's not really cold in in January and December compared to what it is like here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was there up until December the second, and it was it was it was about sixteen seventeen degrees, and then we came home that evening. It was snowing in minus five. Was it? So it, yeah, it was it was it was pretty awful. I mean, my girlfriend was enjoying it. She's been living out there, so she sort of saw the novelty of it. For me, it was just freezing. what's the um, what's
0: the main Spanish sporting philosophy is it all football
1: yeah yeah they're all about the football Rob I mean there was an elder boxing club which is a little village that I was in and they had they had a little uh, mural up to uh, a local Olympian but aside from that I don't really know too much about Spanish sport I mean I know they're big big into the basketball a lot of the good British players go out and play out there so that's probably their second biggest sport I think
0: yeah it is interesting looking at it, Spanish, their top sport they are participating in is cycling. Where really ten of them cycle. Um, and swimming, it's at, at 17%. So, I suppose the lifestyle out there, being outside,
1: you can understand that. Yeah, most certainly, Rob, because we're all wrapped up warm inside. It's only the brave of us about that got, to, got <laughs> into the cold to play five side.
0: Yeah. I
1: suppose another fun fact
0: about Boxing Day is in Ghana, uh, Uganda and Zambia. They have boxing matches on Boxing Day.
1: Today? Mm -hmm. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there is a boxing match today between Noya Noyui and Marlon Topalos, which should be a real cracker if it has or hasn't already happened by the time this show goes out. But I like the idea of boxing on Boxing Day. I think it's more than necessary, Rob. I really do. I suppose, with the, with the way the, the temperature
0: is, you're inside, aren't you, in the stadium, which keeps you warm, doesn't it? So that's why I think, like the so darts is, is quite popular in snooker at uh, this time of year.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, Rob. I mean, you mentioned the darts there, which is absolutely massive. The World Championships will be concluding in just a few days' time. And you see people going to those events wearing ridiculous clothing. And, Rob, I've got to ask you, if you were at the darts, what would you wear? What would I wear? I'd go as Inspector
0: Gadget, I think, with a gold gadget and that I can wave uh, my uh, placard with uh, 180 on it. What about you, James?
1: That is a genius idea, Rob, and it's almost as good as your Ghostbusters outfit that you wore <laughs> to your 40th birthday. Yeah. yeah. But if, if, I, if I was to wear an outfit, Rob, I would go with Master Yoda. I'd paint oh. my face green and I'd wear a little gown, and that's what I think I'd go as. Who's, who's the main man at the darts these days, you know? I mean, there's some cracking players in the world of darts. Obviously, you've got your Michael Van Gerwens, your Michael Smiths, your Gerwin Prices, your Gary Anders, etc. I mean, there's some real cracking darts players. And obviously, there's been some upsets throughout this tournament. But um, I think, all in all, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because there's been a bit of a change of the guard over the last few years with the likes of Phil Taylor retiring from the sport, Raymond van Barnevel retiring, coming back. So I think Darts is in a very interesting place, Rob. So is it, can
0: you see it becoming as popular as it was when the old guard were there
1: taking to great heights? It's interesting. Internationally, I think it's becoming bigger. Obviously they're extending into the likes of Austria. They do the Premier League now every single year in Berlin, and Rotterdam, and if you ever see those events, they're pretty spectacular. But Raymond van Barneveld was at his peak and in the the Premier League of Darts. The Sea of Orange was nothing short of incredible. It seems to have lulled a little bit in popularity in the UK in the last couple of years, and that's maybe because of the semi format. But I think I think it's still doing well, Rob. I always think with the
0: darts, like you said before, it's more about the entertainment around the uh, you know the auditorium with the singing and, and the dancing and all that and the music. But you've got sports like snooker, which is also played inside, but the crowd are all very quiet and, and very respectful of the players to be, you know, let them do what they need to do. Do you think it, snooker should be more like darts? Should they cheer in, they should be singing, they should be music? Would that um, grow the popularity of, of snooker?
1: I think so, because some obviously will say it's boring. Snooker pieris will go well. It's all about sport. This is the ultimate competition, and we're giving these players the opportunity to play to that optimum potential. But at the same time, have you ever gone to a football match and it's gone? The fans shouldn't scream or shout.
0: Hmm.
1: It's just not it, how it works. It
0: would have been interesting. I think. Imagine going to a football match and there's no cheering, and you have to watch the match without making any noise. Now that'd be a, that'd be an amazing. Uh, thing to experience because when you score a goal or when there's a big chance that you miss people will squeal won't they or, or scream out in frustration or enjoy. but not be able to do that it would be a very interesting thing
1: it was and you remember Rob during lockdown people were opting to pump in fake crowd sounds to make mm. things a little bit more normal yeah because I always think that with
0: you know footballers who play in front of I don't know thirty, forty, fifty thousand people. When when does that become the norm? When when do you go out to play any sport in front of thirty thousand people and just feel okay with it? When the average Joe's like me and you, James, will play in front of the park in front of twenty people, and there might be someone heckling you, and you, that might get in your head. But when you've got forty thousand people heckling you, um, does that get in people's heads? You think, or is it just white noise to them now?
1: I mean, some players it does. I mean, you look at Marcus Rashford, look how he reacted to the fans last year, sticking uh, his middle finger up. The fans do struggle, and there are moments where they lose the cool. We've got to remember that these guys aren't superhumans or anything special. They're just ordinary guys who have a real talent. So while there is a period of adapting, and some people are made for the moment, for others it's a real big thing. And you look at wonderkids, for example, that come through, and the pressure is simply too much for them, and they end up crumbling under that, and it's only the very best that make it to the pin- pinnacle of the sport. But if they were in a situation like snooker, maybe they'd have made it. Yeah, and I think the likes
0: of snooker, like Ronnie O'Sullivan, um, is is a wonderful player. He's got the X factor as well. He's got the wild side. He's got that vulnerability as well with everything that's going on in his life. And but he's still able to sort of produce top class snooker week in week out.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a real a real good talent, Ronnie O'Sullivan, and obviously he's had his ups and downs over the years. Not too many downs because I bought uh, my father-in-law his autobiography for Christmas, so uh, that was a real cracker. Alongside a Cornish Rattler hat because that's his favourite drink. Rob, I got my bucket hat of that. Yeah, you do produce the best presents, James. It has to be said. Yeah, I'm a real good present buyer, Rob. I mean, a real a real good guy. In fact, I can tell you a secret now because obviously. Things are out of the way regarding Christmas Day, but uh, so I was in Spain and we were mooching around the shops, being me, uh, me and Beth, and uh, we wandered into one, and there was a load of Christmas ornaments on, it and she spots this snow globe nativity play oh, yeah. with you know the baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, etc. She looks at that and goes, oh, "I love that." So I think you know what I'm going to buy it. So she was teaching during the day. So while she was at work, I gave myself a tour window to go pick this thing up for her, right? Right. So I've gone in and just about negotiated with the Spaniard. I okay. don't think a word of Spanish, by the way, other than no hablo espanol. <laughs> so I've, got, I've gone in and I've negotiated with the Spaniard that I need this present and I would like it put into a box to avoid it smashing. So he's got it all set out for me. Perfect. I'm now thinking, I earth if I'm going to get this back to, back to England without her noticing because hmm. I'm not going to get in my case and even if I could, it's probably going to smash on route back to England anyway. So I thought, I'm going to have to go to the post office, but I can't speak a word of Spanish, and their system's very different to ours, as you can imagine, Rob. Right. So I've had, to, I've had to somehow negotiate my way into buying a ticket. I've had to wait an hour to get to the front of the queue. And the one behind the desk, she speaks far better English than I speak Spanish, but she's still not fluent, so we're struggling to put a conversation together. And we're just about getting through it bit by bit. It's taking longer and longer and longer. At this point, the two hours has sort, of, sort of run out. My best at work is she's ringing me and i was meant to meet her and she's going james jays where are you what on earth are you doing you're late obviously she's annoying with me and she wants me to carry a shopping bag so that's a completely other different debacle to go down <laughs> so either way i'm trying to get this thing sorted and right at the end sorted and she goes right can i have your passport now i'm like oh no because i didn't have your passport with me mm. so i've had to run back to the house get the passport run back just about get this package sent off, show her on Google Translate that I'm sorry they don't speak Spanish, but have a very good Christmas, to which she smiled, and then met up with Beth. Anyway, next day, roundabout, about, and she decides that she wants to buy this ornament, this uh, snow globe, which is a real disaster, Rob, because obviously I bought it for the day before. Mm. So I'm now in this position where I'm trying to talk her out of buying it. She's She's asking me, why are you being so negative? Why are you so against me getting this snow globe? And I'm trying to put some sort of case together. Anyway, we nipped into a cafe, and during this point, I've got to think of some sort of idea to make an excuse as to why we can't get this. However, she, you know, she's adamant she wants it, so we end up going back into the shop, and I'm nervous on two counts. At one, the guy who served me the previous night <laughs> is gonna uh, is gonna recognise me and say something. Secondly that uh, she's going to just buy this and my whole Christmas idea that was meant to be quite sweet is going to be completely ruined. Anyway, she gets in. They haven't replaced it. I'm in the clear. She says it wasn't meant to be. But it turns out it is meant to be because she's going to get that very soon. Well, she got it yesterday, actually, thinking about it. So, yeah, she's got it and she loved it. Perfect. Brilliant. Brilliant
0: story. It's great to see that you're making so much an effort for this nativity play. And talking about nativity play, James, is a little mind Game for you to play now. Sporting nativity. We obviously know that the layout of the nativity with with baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the three wise men and the angel, all in a stable um sporting stars who can play that part in the nativity. Okay, we'll start with the angel. Who which sporting star would you like to play? The angel in your nativity play,
1: Rob. This is possibly the most beautifully constructed question of all time. Mm. So, angel, who, who's an angel? I'm trying to think, Rob. I'm angel. going to put my mother up for the role because she's an angel. Is she a sporting star? Oh, she isn't. A, well, she calls herself. When we used to play football in the yard back when I was a kid, she called herself Vander Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. So I'm going to say that she is a sporting star. So she's going in as the angel, Rob. She's going as the angel. Okay, yeah, so
0: I'm thinking Angel of the footballing world is. Um, I'm gonna go Gareth, Yor- Gary, Gary, Gareth? Gary, Gary, not Gary, Gabby, Yorif. I think she's does you know some great things in sport, commentating on it, broadcasting it. Um, I think she'll do my angel in the sporting world,
1: yeah, that's a real good one, Rob. And I think that she'll probably be more, more well-known to the global sports fans than van der mm. So, you three wise men, who
0: are your three wise men in this sporting nativity?
1: Right, Yoda's very wise, isn't he? So he's got to go in, surely. OK. Number two, we're going to go Trevor McDonald. Try, Trevor McDonald. He's, he's, he's a clever guy. Mm. And my third wise man, I'm going to go with... Yeah, we're going to go David Attenborough. Very clever guys, and he loves his animals, so uh, we're going to go with him. David Attenborough. In fact, I've completely okay. lost track of the question, Rob. You're asking me for sports stars, aren't you? None yes. of them are sports stars. I'm going to get back on topic. All right, I'm going to argue that Yoda is, because he's a pretty good Jedi. He can move about with his lightsaber. Yeah. So we'll stick with him as a sporting star. Number two, Paul Skulls. I mean, he's a man of few words, but he knows how to place the ball. He's undeniably a pretty wise guy. And number three, I'm going to go Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, because he's a deeply religious man, he's a boxing legend, and I think he'd appreciate being one of the kings.
0: Good, good. My three wise men will be uh, Alex Ferguson, Pep Guardiola, and Jurgen Klopp. Three greats of of football, three tactical geniuses, three um, sort of people who have managed, topped. Clubs in Europe and took them to glory. And if I'm thinking I want three wise men to be there, they're my three.
1: That's a real good answer, Rob. Do you reckon there could be any feuding between the three wise men here? I think they'll get along, okay. Well, I think with the with three wise men, all they've got to do is follow the star.
0: It's just they you know, kind of might fall out about which star they've got to follow.
1: Yeah, I mean. I mean, there is issues. I mean, nowadays you'd probably think it was a plane, wouldn't you? But back in back in the <laughs> olden days, back in uh, you know, back in the year that Jesus was born, it yep. was a very long time ago, and it probably would have been quite obvious which one the star was. You'd have thought.
0: Yeah, you think you think back then what what sport they played really? Because obviously pre football, pre pre rugby, um, be interesting to see what they did for entertainment purposes, sporting wise.
1: Yeah, Rob, uh, because that's of interest, I am going to Google it. But while I do that, right. you've got to give me, who is Mary, who is Joseph? Mary will
0: be um, Cathy Freeman, two-time <laughs> Olympic medal in running. She can be my Mary. And Joseph will be uh, Yapstam. Because Big Yapstam was a big Dutchman. Big, strong athletic in that Manchester United 1999 uh, team and he'll be a a strong role model for our baby Jesus.
1: Yeah, they most certainly will be, Rob. And I've got the answer for you now. Go on. The kind of sports that were played by men during the life of Jesus Christ were as follows. Dice rolling, foot racing, archery, boxing, wrestling, an early variation of football, javelin throwing, Discus throwing and the high jump. I wonder which one of them Jesus would have opted for. I mean, I can probably Google that as well, but what's your prediction? I'm thinking high jump, I think. Yeah, I think probably.
0: If we obviously we talk about making miracles, I think he could probably jump high higher than anyone else. I think he'd, uh, he'd be able to do that. Um, but yeah, I suppose it were simpler times back then.
1: Yeah, they probably would have been, Rob. Um, I can't find out on Google... Um, exactly what Jesus played, but you'd like to think that being a bit of a miracle man, he would be... He would be probably the best at all of them. Mm. Who would play your baby Jesus, James? Who would play my baby Jesus? Right, I've got to think of somebody good here. Mm. Uh, who would play the baby Jesus? It is a real tough question, Rob, because you've got to really think about the role, haven't you? Mm. I mean, this isn't a joke, Nativity but casting. This is this is a real deal. Mm. I'm going to go for... Baby Jesus. In fact, does anybody play the baby Jesus, or is there just a, a sort of toy that the sort of oh, you some. know that, that Mary holds? Maybe because y- you've got to cast a baby, haven't you? Yeah, realistically, I don't. I don't know any in the professional acting world. Not really.
0: In professional sporting world. <laughs> professional sporting world, yeah. Yeah. Well, I put Ronaldo or Messi because they're both top of the top aren't they and he would, whoever is picked would then
1: end the big debate on who is the greatest of all time yeah I mean Messi is a bit of a miracle man isn't he mm-hmm. in fact Roman Gonzalez who I mentioned before to be one of the wise men he's only about 5'2 I think so maybe yeah. he can slot into that role <laughs> which, is, which is ideal really because a little uh, you know, think he lies in yeah I mean he can sort of lie in the cot and put his blanket on and you know he might be good and the last one for you Rob two here little drummer boy and donkey Little drummer boy
0: would have to be uh, Jimmy White snooker player. Uh, you know, likes to play fast, play loose. Um, would certainly bring a crowd in with his exciting way of life. Um, I think he'd be my little drummer boy. What about you?
1: Little drummer boy, I'm gonna what for? In fact... Rob, if I'm going to opt for the little drummer boy, I've got to opt for somebody that can potentially play the drums. So perhaps I need some sort of musician. So I'm going to go for Steve Jordan, who's a famous American drummer. Uh, He's played in some cracking bands over the years. So I reckon he is going to be my drummer. If anybody knows him, that's a pretty niche reference, but he's who I've opted for. (laughs) And playing the little donkey, um, I'm going to draft in Donkey from Shrek. And I know that he isn't necessarily a sportsman. However, if you've seen that second film, he does some pretty athletic stuff. Hmm. and he's, I suppose he's forever young and
0: you know, he'll never get old so he'll be able to do it week and week out
1: yeah he most certainly will be and um, regarding drumming Rob again I've gone for somebody who isn't a sportsman so he must be getting sick to death of me not really getting this whole concept so I'm going to switch me Steve Jordan and I'm going to give it to Emil Heskey I, right. I just have a feeling he can play the drums yeah who's going to be your donkey James? Be donkey. Mm. Uh, my donkey. Ca- I know I said donkey can be donkey from Shrek, can't it? Mm. So that that may have caught, brought up some confusion. But I think that animated character would do a pretty good job of playing donkey. I mean, people may be confused around this nativity scene as to why there's an animated creature in there. But I like to think they'd uh, welcome him with open arms.
0: Yeah, I think I'd go for it. anyone who played for Sulfur between uh, 1999
1: and 2002. <laughs> <laughs> It was a pretty woeful era. Yeah, it was. For the sort of people, I believe. <laughs> it was. I mean, we talked about Boxing Day before, didn't we, in Uganda and stuff like that. Can yeah. Can you imagine, Rob, having to take a body shot full of a belly full of stuffing? Yeah, it's interesting.
0: And it's way, you know, all all around the world, different people celebrate this time with different sports, James, and that's the exciting thing, I suppose. That brings everyone together. Don't forget the likes of England cricket; they play Australia, don't they? The Ashes on Boxing Day—that's uh, that's really an iconic uh, time when, when the Ashes is on. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic that, that that you know people all over all over the world have different traditions.
1: Yeah, they do. Rob I mean, there's so many lovely Christmas traditions. I mean, I might have told you this, but last year I went to Poland. Right? Oh, yeah. And uh, throughout the day we'd been noticing people walking around in soldier uniforms and we were a little bit interested as to what this might be. Anyway, we didn't know, but we went for a meal in the evening by the canal, for anybody who's ever been to Gdansk. We come out and there's this massive crowd of thousands of people gathered around the canal. And we're thinking, what on earth is this for? Anyway, there's a gentleman addressing the crowd, wearing a soldier's uniform, which sort of solved that mystery. Anyway, he's talking in Polish. Oh, I don't have a clue what he's saying. And I was telling Beth that we've got to to wait and watch this because something special is going to happen. And she was saying, James, we don't speak Polish. What's the point? But I was adamant something funny is going to happen. Anyway, after a while, these bells started going off, right? In the distance, and I was like, what on earth is this sound? And we could see this light coming from way, way away. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, we saw this humongous boat coming in all decorated to the nines in Christmas stuff, which I thought was great. And then as the boat got closer, we realised the individual ringing the bell was Father Christmas, Rob. Wow. And this was his big arrival into Gadanks, which is pretty cool. So he arrives in with his thing. There's cannonballs going off, which I think were meant to add to the spectacle, although I was somewhat worried that they'd hit Santa and, you know, and he'd perish before Christmas Day. But regardless, he then gets off the Christmas uh, boat and jumps on a speedboat starts whizzing around, waving at people, then jumps off that, parades to the front by the soldier, has a full-on interview in Polish, as you can imagine, Father Christmas is bilingual. They then stuck him on a throne and carried him around the town square road, which I thought was a cracking bit of a bit of culture to observe. It's, it sounds like a beautiful thing.
0: I, I suppose these countries sometimes just are able to do it better than us, James, and it seems like that's what occurred there. I think, uh, you know, the festivities, the, the, the crowd the action it's it's a beautiful beautiful thing i've got a couple of boxing day questions i want you to give me answers to i'm more than happy to do that for you rob okay when was the first boxing day uh football match played was it a uh, 1860 b 1888 c 1923 or d Nineteen
1: seventy. Gotta go. Eighteen
0: eighty-eight. Eighteen eighty-eight. Correct, James. I'm going, wrong. And I'm going you. Do you know were who the first two football teams that played that day was it a uh, Manchester United and Leeds, was it Crystal Palace and Everton, was it Bolton Wanderers and West Brom, or was it Arsenal and Aston Villa?
1: Going to go D, Arsenal-Aston Villa. Not correct,
0: James. Oh. Bob Wanderers played West Brom and Albion.
1: That's a real... I mean, I tried to be clever there. I knew it wasn't going to be Manchester United because they. I don't even think it were invented at that point. even if they were it would have been Newton-Heath. But yeah, you've done me there, Rob. And do you know how many
0: times both have played on Boxing Day since? Was it A, 98, B, 105, or C, 120? 105. 105 is correct, James. That's three from three for you. Final Boxing Day question, James, I've got is, can you name the two players who have scored the
1: most on Boxing Day? That is an absolutely sensational piece of trivia, Rob. Mm. And I am going to make sure people are aware of that. I'm going to go Alan Shearer Um, and Wayne Rooney. No. Alan Shearer and
0: Wayne Rooney are wrong. I'll give you a clue. One, uh, is, as we are talking about the, this festive period, one was nicknamed God.
1: Right, okay. Nicknamed God?
0: And the other That's one um, is um, seen as a god in uh, North London. North London. Cherry ah. Henry? Nope. Next bit of clue. One played for Manchester City and Leeds and Liverpool and the other has played uh, for Tottenham and Bayern Munich.
1: Harry Kane's one then? Yep. And then the other one, I really don't know. The other is Robbie Fowler. Oh, right, yeah, that makes sense. And do you
0: That's know one, how right? many times... They've scored a box a day. Was yeah. it? I'll give you three cl- three clues. Well, three answers to choose. One is three, two is five, and
1: three is nine. I'm going to revert my original answer and go for five. It's nine, James. It is nice. I was close the first time around. Ah. So that's pretty amazing,
0: really. When you think about it, both terrific footballers, both fantastic goes, especially Harry Kane still playing as well. Rugby foul Yeah, I mean easy. Harry
1: Kane, a sensational player. I don't know if they have Boxing Day games in Germany. That could be worth a Google as well. But a man who is still relatively young in his career, who has achieved so much, and. We were talking before weren't we, about players being disciplined on Christmas Day, and it looks like Harry Kane hasn't had a single book first throughout that entire time. <laughs> he
0: seems to be uh, ripping up the the German league as well. Um, obviously, playing very well for for Bayern Munich, and it's uh, obviously Tottenham fans upset about him sort of departing, but they have, have certainly, uh, you know, had a better season than many
1: expected. Yeah, they have. They played well. Tottenham and Sovaston Villa there another and then came with Bayern Munich I mean it's still not a foregone conclusion that he's going to win his first trophy is it because Bayer Leverkusen are very much in that race but Rob what are your main predictions for Salford's 2024 Salford's 2024
0: James is going to be exciting I think with Paul Rowley in charge, we've had a lot of disruption in the off season with lots of things going on behind the scenes regarding the stadium situation and, uh, you know, with the way the sport's going and, and with the IG, IMG points thing and lots of noise. So I think it's important that Paul Rowley has, has kept a lid on his his players' emotions and they'll be tuned up ready. For, for, for the season, obviously, seventh place finish last year, and it was when you look back, it's probably disappointing that we that we didn't manage to make a playoff uh, place, um, you know, but. but if you look back at the season, it was great until the, the, the Challenge Cup game against Hawkington Rovers, where we lost. And then after that, uh, we managed only to win three out of the next 12 games. And it is a bit of a worry that how would you stop? the How does Paul Rowley sort of make sure that this doesn't sort of carry on into into this season? And that's a that's a thing that I'm sure he will be looking at. He knows what the strengths are and the weaknesses. I know the the departure of Brody Croft uh, and Andy Akers is a blow, but he has brought in some players who who are going to hopefully keep Salford at a level on and take him to the to the next level because that's what it's all about, James. It's not about staying in the in the level they're at. They need to improve. They need to get into uh, the the playoffs every week because playoffs every season. Sorry, because we talk about how uh, you know. Salford area a development opportunity for players but if you're not competing in playoffs week in week out and season in season out players don't want to come so you've got to you've got to reach the heights to attract the next you know the better, the better players and the, and the next success that comes along I'm just hoping that Paul Rowley has invested in the right people and they're going to take us forward in your gut Rob is he the right
1: man to take Salford forward
0: I think he is... I think he's... We talk about Paul Rowley and, and Rowley Ball and, and the way we play and sort of the excitement of that. And But his teams are kind of built on strong aggression in defence, forcing errors, you know, capitalising on other people's errors. When we get within striking distance, we can be very uh, dangerous. It's just our weakness is getting into them situations. A lot of sort of huff and puff. I'm not sure whether it's intelligence that players just struggle to, to out think and out manoeuvre teams or whether they need bigger units of players to roll down the middle and, and get as in position. The problem with bigger unit of players is they aren't able to be as manoeuvrable so you aren't able to play the Paul Rally away which is kind of flowing and, and bodies in motion and if you've got big forwards they aren't able to, to carry themselves around the pitch like that so it's going to be interesting to see that because Paul Rowley will need to either bring people in who are slightly different to the the plan of Rowley Ball, or if you're going to bring someone who is similar to the already prop forwards who are there now, then it doesn't change anything. So the weakness isn't, isn't fixed. So he's going to have to change the way he plays or change the people that are involved.
1: Decisions, 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 Rob. Obviously... With being festive right now, but there's a lot of pressure on him. There is, there is pressure, but he has a lot of
0: uh, credit in the bank, James, because he took us to a, a semi final, not last year, year before. Um, he just missed out in the playoffs this year, but our injury list, you know, have had that effect, and our budget have not been able to to bring in more players when the injuries bar bit the team is a massive factor. So it's important that the club back him in the transfer market, he's able to create a bigger squad of players to choose from. So when players start getting injured and get suspended, you're able to bring in a, another player of similar standard, which will keep you on the, on the momentum up the up the table. And that's the difference between the likes of Salford and, and Wigan and, and, Leeds and, and Ellen's. They have big squads, And they have good talent, and Salford have a decent squad, decent size, but they need more to be able to push on. Anyone miracles happen, you know. You can, you can, when you get in the playoffs, and it's all on 17 on 17 on a pitch. But really, you always find the best team wins at the end of the season because they have quality throughout their squad.
1: Look, they do, Rob. I mean, if we look at that team now. There's some great players with fantastic attitudes. And 2024 is a year of change, obviously. We have New Year's resolutions. Uh, re- New Year's resolution, sorry, Robbie, It's been a long day. I apologize <laughs> about that. But what are Salford's, do you think? And what are yours?
0: My Salford's re- resolution, New Year's resolution, is probably to be penalised less. So for Red Devils, were the most penalised team in the Super League, gave away 200 penalties uh, this season, James. Um, and to be fair, they, they weren't particularly dirty players. And we're not particularly a dirty team. I just think we are getting penalised a lot for technical penalties. Technical penalties, yeah, there is the odd thuggish moment. And we are playing rugby, so... That kind of thing can happen. Uh, but I'm sure Paul Rowler, if he's sat around his Christmas tree now, and his players are sat around their Christmas tree, and they're thinking about you know, resolutions for 2024, they're probably thinking, let's not get penalised as much. So we're not defending as much. Um, so then we've got more energy to attack and score tries, James. Um, my resolution uh, is to enjoy every day. Um, as it comes, don't get stressed uh, about things you can't affect what about you James what's your, who's your what's your
1: sporting um, New Year's resolution get fit Rob oh. I think that's a simple one isn't it I think I've overindulged over the past month I think it's fair to say from the advent calendar to this big chocolate pudding that I have every single year on Christmas, this big fudge cake so I've had a lot of that I, I typically have a Boxing Day curry as well so when you combine all those factors into one, the fact that New Year's Eve is always a heavy one, I think I'm going to hit next year hard and uh, and try and get myself into a better physical condition. Did you do? You did the Benidorm half marathon, James. So you can't be too out of shape. I did, Robin. I nearly I nearly perished. Mm. So that's the issue. And you know my mentality throughout the bulk of that, especially being in Benidorm, was all right. I'm going to just you know toss this to one side and go get a Burger King. Lucky I showed the mental strength to continue. But it was it was a close thing, Rob.
0: I'll be honest. Yeah, I would say that James rose again, but that's more of an Easter thing.
1: It is, Rob, and we'll of course do an Easter special, and we'll think of <laughs> ways to, uh, to 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 bring the footballs into the Easter um, Easter story.
0: Hmm. So, if you were a if you were Hen Tag, let's say, what would you think him and his Man United players? What should be their New Year's resolution going into twenty twenty four?
1: I think the main tactic for the player, Rob, is to try they're <laughs> playing for yeah. one, of the, one of the biggest clubs in world football, a club with so much history and the effort just isn't there and there's some bad eggs in that dressing room, Rob and I think for Eric Ten Hag, he needs to just get his head around tactics a bit, a little bit better there's, it's one thing doing certain things in the Netherlands and winning a league where you are the dominant side but Manchester aren't that at the moment and they need to come up with a way of playing flowing football that scores goals because our chance conversion rate we're 19th in the league at the moment Yeah. So, is that players are is that head tag
0: don't forget head tag in november won manager of the month so is he do you still feel like he's under threat even though he's
1: just one manager of the month yeah because he followed it with a freedom loss against bournemouth <laughs> which, which which is never ideal is it rob and in the table we're doing better than it feels like our season has been but I'm still not massively confident. And we've been fairly useless in Europe as well, haven't we? And it's just not what the fans want to see. And I get that there's a you know a period of, of turning things around and the Glazers are, of course, a nightmare. And we can slate them as much as we want to hard. But at the same time, Rob, how many great managers have chance their arm at this and come up short?
0: It's a good question, James, because you've got the likes of Jose, Mourinho, Louis, Louis van Gaal. You know, we could go on, couldn't we? David Moyes has seemed to have turned the corner, had a a bad year at Man United, but found his feet now at West Ham. And you look at these managers who have come in and brought their own players in, and then you expect Hentag to bring all these players together and say, you play my way, when he's only brought in maybe two or three of his own. So has he got the the people to, to play his way? That's the big question for me.
1: No, I mean, Ten Hag is a very exciting style of football, and Manchester haven't been particularly exciting this season, so maybe it's more so down to the players, Rob. I mean, we just there just isn't that mentality that Sir Alex Ferguson managed to ingrain into the lads, and you can blame Eric Ten Hag a little bit for that, but Alex Ferguson was special. And the players should just be happy to play anyway. I mean, how many fans are there every single week? 75,000 cheering Mm. them on, sticking by the team, despite how poorly they're playing at times. So, you know... I do you think they owe it to the fans to, you know, really put a shift in? Hmm. You know, I thought that this Man well, United
0: team of, of 2023 reminds me of Man United's teams of the late 80s, early 90s that used to beat the likes of Liverpool and Arsenal and other sort of top teams um, who, you know, were competing for championships at that time. But then when they played Queen's Park Rangers or they played Norwich City or they played Derby County, they lose at home. And then that's why they never reached them heights. This team, the top, I think it's 10, that they've all been beaten by, um, shows that they can't seem to lift themselves against these top teams. And it's a, it must be a big problem for the Ten Hag to, to try and fix.
1: Yeah, because You'd like to view Old Trafford as a cauldron, wouldn't you? As an amphitheater filled to the brim with... Yeah, Manchester United don't want to play like they did in the 80s, which wasn't necessarily the greatest era for them. You've got to remember that it was probably alcohol-fueled back then and Manchester United weren't playing at the best. And now we're in an era where this team has unlimited pockets, pretty much, really. I know people like Manchester City and Chelsea, etc., have more money, but Manchester United aren't short of a buck or two. So really, they should be utilising all the sports science possible. They know everything about nutrition and all that sort of stuff. So there's no excuse for them to be playing, like a sight, in the 80s that didn't have all those advantages, Rob. And I think Eric Hog just needs to get a grip on these men and convince them the importance and the history of playing for this club.
0: Yeah, because that's what it is, isn't it? It's, it's a history that might be weighing sort of hard on their shoulders or heavy because obviously with the way the sporting world is made up of Manchester United greats having their opinion. Because it's a lot like in the sort of early nineties, you had Liverpool, you had Alan Hansen, you had Mark Lawrenson, uh, you had people who played Liverpool who were broadcasting and, and telling people their ideas. Ah, Man United suffered in that same way as that Liverpool team did, that sort of faded away from, you know, their glory is they never actually totally faded away, did they? Because they always were there and thereabouts. But is it? Is it? can you see a similar thing happening now with United?
1: Yeah, because United are considered a bit of a, a joke, aren't they, in a sense? Because mm. we aren't that scary team anymore. Do you remember the days when Sir Alex Ferguson was managing and teams would be utterly terrified of playing at Old Trafford? And it just feels like now teams come with a spring of the step. There's no fear. And they just give it their all because they know that this side isn't up too much. Yeah, and I think the problem is with united is like you
0: say without that fear factor teams can smell blood can't they and i think when you look back to the, the late nineties with the likes of Scholes and beckham and Giggs and Keane and white york and andy cole and peter Schmeichel and goal it was they were like an unbelievable force weren't they you know winning your know, premier league titles three in a row winning champions leagues this this Man City team, the one under Pep Guardiola, has similar um, aptitudes. They're just able to 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 win back to back to back, and you know they they have an opportunity to to you know better the Man United way, uh, the winning cycle this season. Uh, it's going to be a tough task for them, but you can see you know why this Man City team will be up there with the best teams of all time um, if they do manage to get uh, another champion, another Premier
1: League win. Yeah, they are up there, Rob, and uh, while they don't necessarily have the champion leagues to go alongside it, do you remember that Barcelona team between about 2008 till about 2012 that were simply unstoppable? Mm. How far off do you think this Manchester City side is from that?
0: It's a good question, James, because this man's City side has genuinely superstars in them, and with Pep Guardiola, he's able to splash the cash on anybody but he seems to be able to pick the right players to play in the right system and be part of a good team and that's a a big uh great skill to have really because you could just go and buy the best players in the world but they're not necessarily when you put them together going to be a great team but man manchester city had a great team because they're able to find players who will also work in the system as well as being the best players i like to rod Rodri. Who is a superstar, but is able to link the play up and keep the engine going, and and that's important. I think um, when it comes to top teams, uh, there's always been people who just sort of keep the engine running, gets the ball moving, does takes all the light, you know, doesn't have the limelight, uh, but is able to make the team function, and he is an important cog in that
1: wheel. Yeah, he certainly is, Rob. I mean, when you look at a team like Manchester United, there's so many important cogs in any team, from South of Red Devils to Liverpool to Arsenal to all these teams. What do you think, if you could name one cog, is the most essential of them all? The most important cog in a
0: successful team um, is probably kind of the captain. The captain needs to be a leader. He needs to be able to to either put his arm around a player or to roar at a player and, and then players will look at the captain to to be inspired the likes of like you say Roy Keane at Manchester United Steven Gerrard at Liverpool Tony Adams at Arsenal and um, John Terry at Chelsea they're all fine figures aren't they of, of, of men and, and leaders and you know I'm sure their style uh, inspired their teams to glory
1: yeah, I would probably agree with that, Rob. What do you think your
0: style would be as a manager? My style—I used to manage my uh, my five-a-side team. Two hundred stones of power, James. My uh, my uh, five-a-side team: uh, four, four four fat men and one thin man.
1: How good was the thin man, Rob? Did he fit into the squad?
0: <laughs> he was in the goal. The thin man. We were pretty terrible. Uh, Trafford Centre, uh, Division Five. Um, who were a bit. Couldn't really defence. We were more an offensive team, um, but lacked that that killer instincts in front of goal, and defending wasn't wasn't the greatest. It was a good ten years ago, and um, we're all a bit old now, uh, and probably more like 300 stone now.
1: The idea of calling yourself an attacking team without a killer instinct, Rob, is nothing short of hilarious. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was. It was. We 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 tried, James. But when you had tick attack football, we just weren't weren't bit really built for that, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, what would you say you were built for, Rob? Well, I was more sporting wise, um, probably more like a rugby player really. But I just didn't have the have the brains for it. I didn't have the brains, and I didn't have the heart, and I wasn't really tough enough. Either, I've always said, being a rugby player, you've got to be fast, you've got to be fit, you've got to be strong, you've got to be tough, and you've got to be slightly mad. Uh, and if you're one of them five, um, you can be a okay rugby player. The best ones are all five, uh, and I was not, and that's why I never made it at any rugby
1: level, really. I would say you're mad, Rob, because you have consistently done a show with me for the last five years. <laughs> because, you know, you probably do need some questioning. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I need to, someone to sit down and, and tell me where, where my life choices.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully, you know, you've enjoyed the last five years because, uh, you know, some would question spending this level of time with me on a show, but uh, it's been great. Obviously, having our Christmas together, Rob, in a sense that we've managed to address the people of Salford. Mm. Where would you like Salford to be this time next Christmas? I want us to be
0: in Super League. I want us to be um, just better. Ten you know, ten percent rising crowds, um, you know, the community club aspects of, of the of the club thriving with more support and, and more money generated. And uh, that's the kind of thing we want really, James. We, we need we need the people of sofa to be behind both Rugby League Clubs, Southampton Lions and and Devils, to grow the sport in the area. Uh, and obviously, if you're listening to this, it's, it's really important that you do that because both teams need your support to take them to that next level.
1: Yeah, they do, Rob. And obviously, this Christmas time has been pretty magical for all of us. I just want to know, your lad, Rory, obviously, Father Christmas, he came down the chimney last night did he get him anything sort of Red Devils related? Yes,
0: he got him a shirt, James, uh, which he will treasure forever. Um, and that, and that's, that's the beauty of it. These children, they, they love the likes of Santa, um, you know, bringing them presents and, and bringing the magic. Um, talking about magic, um, you said you're going to have a, have a Christmas curry, um, James. you know the one place where we should go for that Christmas curry?
1: Enlighten me, Rob.
0: Got to be the Nas. Our oh, the
1: Nas, yeah. Home,
0: James. That'd be a wonderful place. Obviously, other curry houses are available in the Salford and Worsley and um, area, uh, but as a as a fine establishment, that's our spiritual home.
1: Yeah, it most certainly as well. I mean, talking about Manchester curry houses, there's an absolute cracker in Ireland called the Grand Havelli. Which people, if they haven't checked out, most certainly should. But as far as this show is concerned, the Nas is the only curry house in the world. Yeah, (laughs) it is, James. It is. So, um, with a couple of minutes to go,
0: James, what are your uh, 2024 highlights to look forward to in the sporting world?
1: 2024 highlights, Rob. I hope that Manchester United start playing better. Because things have been diply, dip, bitterly disappointed. Mm. Oh, Preston continue to play well, obviously after a little bit of a drop off after you know their incredible start. Things things are going you know okay. So I hope that Preston continue to play well. And all in all, Rob, I think it'll be great at some point to get back in the studio with you yourself. Mm. Yeah,
0: it's been a wonderful year, James. You know, talking sport every week with yourself. Been a great you know what is it now five six years. Yeah, it was a uh, five years in October, I believe, Rob. So you know, we've covered all kinds of fantastic moments, haven't we, uh, in the world of, of of sport and in 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 the world of Salford sport? And it's been a, a pleasure, uh, you know, serving this Salford community and um, talking about the likes of Man United, Man City, Salford Red Devils, all the boxing, all the UFC, and everything you want to enjoy. And obviously, with thirty seconds, James, you know, any festive cheer you want to share with our listeners.
1: Yeah, as I said earlier, I think people need to take a moment while it's still within the 12 days of Christmas and listen to Penguin, James (laughs) Penguin by Brad Paisley because it's the best Christmas song ever written.
0: Okay, so we thank you for listening to this uh, Sport Zone on your Boxing Day and we hope you've enjoyed your Christmas and we wish you a Happy New Year and uh, we'll see you in 2024 for more Salford Sporting Chat on your Salford City Radio.